0: Friends, welcome to week three of the Advent Conspiracy and the third Sunday of Advent. My name is Pastor Brad, and it's so good to be with you. If you're you're visiting today, you picked a great Sunday to come and be a part of what we're doing at Timberlake. And I want to invite you, if you are a guest, to come back again, continue to be our guest and be part of what we're doing here at Timberlake. Everybody go ahead and pull out your Advent devotions. It looks like this. It's a guide for your prayer and study through the week. I hope that you will take this and use it through the week. There are scripture readings. Uh, there are suggestions for conversation with your family. These are designed to be simple enough so the kids in your house can lead it. Uh, it's designed to be meaningful enough so that everybody who follows Jesus can find something good in here. So please, please use that. We're going to read this morning from uh, the Gospel of John, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4 and 10 through 14. So if you have your Bible, follow along, or if not, it'll be on the screen for you as well. This is from the first chapter of the Gospel Of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. So friends, I'm inviting you to join me in a conspiracy. I'm inviting you to join me in a different way of doing Christmas with the hope being that we would actually be different as a result of the way that we celebrate this holiday. Because uh, let's be honest, Christmas as usual isn't working the way that we had hoped. And I don't know about you, you ever had that feeling after all the gifts are unwrapped and all the parties are done and you sit back and you finally take a moment to breathe and you say, is that it? I mean, is is that all there is to it? Because I was really hoping for this incredible high, and it was was okay. It was nice. It was good to see my family. But I wonder, is there something more to it than just that? That's what we're talking about today. And I, I feel like all of us have had this experience in one way or another. You know, we pray for peace, but then in December, it seems like we run around like crazy people, right? And our lives don't really reflect the peace that we are hoping for. Or uh, you know we fill our houses up with stuff, but on the inside we're left feeling empty. Or we watch our kids and our grandkids open present after present after present, and at first it's like, "Oh, this is amazing." But pretty quick that turns into, "Hey, what do you got for me next? What's the next thing? Can I open? Is there another gift I can open?" And it goes on and on and on. So this year I'm inviting you to join me in this conspiracy, this Advent conspiracy, to worship fully, to spend less, to love all, and today's focus, to give more, to give more. Except not to give more presents, not to give more stuff, but to give more in in other ways, in more meaningful ways. I wonder if we might give more of ourselves. So do you remember that uh, that one Christmas when you just could not figure out what to get that one really difficult person in your life, and so maybe you went with the scented candle, right? Oh yeah, they'll like that smell. I'll give them this, or or the cheese log. Anybody willing to admit they've ever given the cheese log at Christmas time? Um, or or my personal favorite is the jelly of the month club, Clark. That's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. <laughs> That it is, Edward. Okay. Anybody else watch Christmas Vacation? Am I the only one who watches that movie every year? Oh, thank God you're here. Okay, good. I thought that joke was going to bomb this morning. Okay. So, yeah, we, we've, we've done that, right? But what if instead of giving more presents, we, we gave more of ourselves? We gave more of ourselves. You see, this is the way that God relates with us, right? So when Jesus was born as a baby in Bethlehem, He didn't show up with some thing to give us, right? Jesus is himself the gift. And in Jesus' ministry, he didn't say, hey, I'll show you the way. No, he said, I am the way. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. That's what it looks like to give more of ourselves. A couple years ago, my family uh, was at the beach. We love to go to the beach in the summer. And my son, Luke, uh, was six years old at the time, so it was two years ago. One of Luke's favorite things to do at the beach is to to dig a big hole in the sand. And after a while he figured out that was pretty fun, but even more fun was if you stuck a person down in the hole and then you could bury them like up to their neck, and that would be awesome. And so he enjoyed burying people, but then he realized he could be the one to be buried, and that was his most favorite of all. So now every year we go to the beach and, and Luke has to get buried in the sand. And and this year in particular. Um, I'm there hard at work with a shovel, and he's, he's in the sand getting buried more and more. And his big sister, Ella, comes back up from the water. You know, she had been swimming. And she says, what are you guys doing? And uh, Luke says, well, Dad's burying me, and then you have to find me. He said, I'm the treasure. <laughs> he's the treasure. And he's right. He's the treasure. Friends, you are the treasure. Your life is the treasure that God is giving to the people in your life. Can you get your head around that for a second? That, So much better than anything we could ever give to each other is our lives that we can share with one another. We're invited to give more of ourselves on Christmas. Let's look at what that looks like in the scripture. In Philippians 2, this is what Paul says about how God did this for us. Though Jesus was in the form of God, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. And being found in human form, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus gave more of himself. He gave all of himself, right? Jesus was comfortable in heaven. The angels worshiped him continually as he sat on his throne. And yet he left the comfort of heaven and came to earth to show us, to teach us, to love us, to touch us, to feed us, most of all, friends, to save us. To save us from our sin jesus died to save you and to save me now you want to know the difference between christianity and all the other religions of the world this is it it is jesus it is the idea that god took on flesh as a human being born as a baby in bethlehem and who lived and who died on a cross to save us and the rest of the world religions say that is absurd that is beneath god to do that and we say you know what you're right but that's how much god loves us that is how much god loves us that god would take on flesh and live among us and show us how to love one another and as if that were not enough he died so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to god the father That is how much God loves us. Friends, Christmas is a time for us to give more of ourselves. Christmas is also a time for us to give more to our kids. Time for us to give more to our kids. You know what I hear all the time? Oh, pastor, you know I love Christmas? Because Christmas is really all about the kids. It's all about the kids. Is it really, though? Is it really? I, I'm going to step on your toes this morning. I think uh, so. I'll just go ahead and put it out there. You might you might not like this message very much. Uh, you know, I, I get it. Right, seeing the kids' faces light up on Christmas morning is special, isn't it? It is awesome. It, it fills you. It gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling, and, it, and it's and really neat. And, but here's the question: How long does that enthusiasm last? Like an hour or a day, probably. Or if you're really lucky, it lasts for a week. And then what? It's like, uh, dad, I'm bored. You know, I've got nothing. Dad, there is nothing to do. I'm not going to say who, but those words have been spoken in my house just in the last week. Dad, there is nothing to do. Right? Because the material stuff, it doesn't sustain. It doesn't, it doesn't last. I want to suggest something to you that that might get a preacher tarred and feathered, uh, and and that is that uh, Christmas, what if it's not really about the children? What if it is about the child, the Christ child? What What if it's really not about my kids and your kids and our grandkids? What if it's about Jesus? And what would it look like, do you think, for us to make it about Jesus and about his Birthday? Did you notice my, my sweater? Someone told me it's ugly sweater day. I didn't realize that, but I wore this anyway, and it says, go Jesus, it's your birthday. Christmas is Jesus' birthday. Uh, what would it take for us to get there to, to celebrate that? I want to acknowledge that when it comes to this Advent conspiracy, it's, it's these kind of middle two weeks that um, are, are a little tricky. Because, you know, you hear worship fully and you say, yes, I'm in. And we hear we should love everyone and say, okay, I'm on board. I'm, I'm going to do it. And then we hear, okay, we're going to spend less on our kids and we're going to give more to other people. And we say, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. Now you're messing with my Christmas. That, that's how I show love. That, that's how I get in the spirit. I love to, to shop and I love to rap and I love to give Gifts. Friends, I'm with you. Gifts are wonderful. Gifts are wonderful. I love to give gifts. I love to get gifts. But I want us to acknowledge this morning that it's complicated, that gift giving is complicated, not least because we live in a consumer culture and not least because we are complicated people. So think about this with me for a moment. When we give gifts, let's acknowledge it's not always just pure altruism, is it? We have other mitigating factors that are at work. So I think for some of us, it's a, it's a question of achievement and of pride, right? So some of us g- grew up in households where there just weren't a lot of Christmas gifts because mom and dad couldn't afford it. And some of us grew up in households where you know, money was tight. And so now that we have improved our financial situation, some of us, we've said, wow, I could give more to my kids than what I got when I was young. And I want them to have a better life than I had. And that makes total sense, right? And yet, so our our altruism of giving gets mixed up and kind of complicated with our sense of achievement and of growth and of of needing to to feel good about what we can provide for our kids. Or sometimes I think our gift giving is complicated by guilt. Uh, Tell me if this has ever happened to you. Around this time of year, someone you know a little bit, not a good friend, but an acquaintance gives you something, a gift, unexpectedly. Has it ever happened to you? And the first thing that you think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a wager here. I'm going to guess that the first thing you think is not, oh, wow, what a blessing. I cannot believe they, they thought of me. That's so generous. The first thing that you think is, oh, shoot, now I have to get her something right? Anybody willing to be honest and say that's happened to you? Okay, awesome. A few honest people. Yeah, right. So so guilt gets all mixed in with our gift giving, right? Because we say, well, they gave me something. I should probably give them, them something. Or with our kids, we say, well, you know, last year was pretty lean. I didn't have much to give, but this year I can do better. So I'm kind of making up for last year by giving more this year. And so, so our, our gift giving is complicated by all of these other factors. And I'm concerned, friends, that Our gift-giving outcomes may not be the ones that we intended. You know, what if we shower our kids with gifts, hoping that they'll be more generous when it turns out they're actually more greedy? Have you thought about that? Or or what if all the stuff under the tree doesn't uh, help them to uh, give more, but actually helps them to expect more? Or or what if the more stuff that we give uh, actually lowers their sense of gratitude and increases their sense of entitlement? Now, maybe this is just my household, and I hope I'm wrong, but my sense is that we run this risk with our kids of not helping them to appreciate what is good and right in the world and what it looks like to have and what it looks like to have not because they just have so much, and our lives are overflowing with these material blessings that we sometimes miss, that not everybody lives the way that we live. Christmas is an opportunity for us to give more to our kids than just presence. You know, seeing their face on Christmas morning and the way they light up and get excited, that's, that's great, right? You know what's even better than that? Is seeing your child have a spiritual awakening, seeing your child have an encounter with the living God, hearing your child come home and tell you, uh, I have experienced the love of God today. I am confessing Jesus as my Savior. That is so much better than a million gifts under a million Christmas trees. I'm not saying those two things are mutually exclusive, but perhaps there is a way for us to celebrate Christmas that really helps our kids to get it, that Christmas is not about them, but it is about Jesus. You know, the other week I had this amazing opportunity to participate in Career Day at my kids' school. How many of you have ever gone to Career Day and told the kids about what you do for a living? So there were nurses there, there was an optometrist, there was an animal control officer, Um, There was a guy, uh, there was a guy, I think he was a loss prevention officer, but the kids were convinced that he was a secret spy, which is cool, except like they visited the spy right before they visited me. And that was a horrible time slot. You know, if you got to follow somebody, don't follow the spy, you know? So I was, my expectations were pretty low when they told me that. Uh, but, you know, an amazing thing happened. When they came in the room, and we, I asked them what they want to be when they grow up, and they went around the room and talked about that. And then I asked them to tell me, you know, what does a pastor do? And they were able to name a number of things that I get to do on a daily basis with you. And, and it's amazing thing it happened: The room came alive. The kids just came alive. And, and we did this really fun thing. We had them come up one at a time and play pastor. And so Pastor Parker was there, and, and Pastor Megan, and and they had a teddy bear that I brought and they baptized the teddy bear. And and then they they came up to the microphone that I had and they gave a sermon, right? They, They gave the good news. And the room was just full of energy. One of the kids prayed for all of her classmates. I mean, this was not just a pretend prayer. I mean, this was real prayer happening in the classroom as the kids were experiencing the love of Jesus Christ and sharing it with one another. And you know what I realized in that moment? These kids don't need more stuff. You know what they need? They need more Jesus. They need more Jesus. They need some people in their life who will love them and nurture them, who will open the scriptures with them and teach them about God's word, who will show them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. They need more Jesus. The energy in that room, what was their hunger saying, I, I need this, I long for this, please share the good news about how God loves me. They want it. They want it. They need it, friends. In our house, we, we try to emphasize on, on try, emphasis on try. We try to make room for Jesus in our house at Christmas time, uh, And one of the ways that we do that is setting some limits on what we give to the kids. Um, I learned this from a friend. This is not something I made up, but, but we like it and it, it resonates with us. And so we, we try to give four gifts, uh, something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. Anybody heard that before or practiced that? A few of you, yeah. It really has kind of transformed the way we give gifts with our kids at Christmas. Um, And and then we do uh, often a big gift on top of that that is like a trip or a vacation or an experience, something we would do together. Now, don't tell the kids. We'll probably do that thing anyway. But we call it a Christmas gift. So then they're like, oh, Christmas is awesome, right? Uh, (laughs) If you tell my kids, I'm going to be seriously mad about that. They're not in here, are they? Okay. So something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. Uh, and then, you know, this becomes an opportunity for us to have a conversation with them and say, hey, you know, you know how we pretty much have everything that we need and we've got lots of water to drink and the house is always warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And, and, and do you know that there's people in the world who don't have those kind of things? And you know what I've found? The kids, when I talk to them about these things, they get it. They understand it so much better than I might have given them credit for. They understand that if, if I have something, and if I have more than I need, I could share that with someone else who doesn't have enough, and then we could both have what we need, and they could be blessed, and I could be blessed. And in my experience, I don't know about you, but in my experience, the children of this church are some of the most generous among us. They are willing to share. They are willing to give, especially when they understand the need. So for me, this is not only a way to kind of limit the Christmas giving, but it's an opportunity to have a conversation with our children and grandchildren, and say, hey, let's talk about what Christmas is really all about and what would it look like for us to bless people who uh, don't have the kind of things that we have. So this brings me to the third idea I want to share with you, that we might give more to people in need. That we might give more to people in need. Now, I know it's uncomfortable to hear it and, and maybe it kind of messes with our idea of a quaint and classic Christmas, but there are people suffering in the world right now. And we have an opportunity to do something about it. And this is why we're giving our Christmas Eve offering to the church in Puerto Rico. 100% of your gift on Christmas Eve will go to bless the ministry and the mission of the church in Levittown and to address the needs that those people have as they are recovering from Hurricane Maria and putting their lives back together. Friends, you know, I know, we've seen the pictures, they have been through hell. They have been through hell. And so what we want to do with our Christmas gift is to say to them, heaven is on the way, right? Jesus is on his way. He is coming into the world, and he is going to make all things right. Now, let me say this. Just like Christmas is not really about the kids, Christmas is not about Puerto Rico either. So if you're hearing me say, oh, you have to do this or else you can't celebrate Christmas, not at all, not at all. There are a thousand ways that you can bless your neighbors at Christmas time, and so if you say, "Gosh, I really can't," in good conscience, you know, give to Puerto Rico, or I've already given my big gift for the year, I'm not having anything left to give at Christmas Eve. That is just fine, friends, and there is no judgment whatsoever. I promise you. However, God calls you to give is how you should give. So please do right by God, do right by your family, don't violate your conscience, um, and remember, Puerto Rico is just one way to give. There are lots and lots of ways to give. And I see the way that you do it. So as Gary mentioned, you give to the food pantry here, you bring food and and you give gifts so that we can bless our neighbors who are in need and hungry. Uh, You gave gifts at Christmas time this year and last year and many, many years for us to bless children in our community who aren't going to receive gifts so that they can receive gifts. You go to Parkview and you share food and you share hugs and love with the people in, in the community in Lynchburg. And so I am grateful to you, for all the ways that you are generous. What I want to say to you now is don't stop. Keep being generous. Let's continue to take the next step in faith and see what God can do in our midst. Now, the last thing I want to wrestle with uh, on this morning, and I want to ask you to, to do it with me, is to ask the question, why? Why do we give gifts and why on Christmas? You ever thought about that before? That there's got to be a reason um and more than just well we've always done it that way well, so let me hear from you what are the reasons that you can think of that we give gifts on christmas the wise men brought gifts yeah the magi okay you know that story from matthew 2 the the magi we're not sure how many magi there were we know there were three gifts gold frankincense and myrrh and so we say okay they gave gifts to jesus so we can give gifts in that same spirit great what else A gift from God? Okay, so Jesus is himself a gift, right? And so, if the point of Christmas is that God, the Father, gives Jesus the Son as a gift to all of humanity, in that same spirit, we can give to one another and bless each other. Great. What else? Say it louder. Santa Claus, right? Everybody loves Santa, right? And we, we've learned, we've been trained in this tradition of Santa Claus. And it seems like every culture in every country has their own version of Santa Claus. When, when you uh, do the research, it's out there. Um, and so Santa Claus, yeah, we love Santa Claus. We give because Santa Claus gives. Um, I know you know that story of Santa Claus goes back a long way. Did you know that the modern Santa Claus is more or less an invention of the Coca-Cola Corporation? Did you know that? Oh, my gosh. All right. I'm going to spoil some people's day today. Um, so this guy, you know, the jolly big guy in the red suit with the reindeer and the sleigh, this is basically a modern invention that Coke used to sell more Coke. And hey, you know, Coke is delicious. It's fine. You know, I'm not getting any corporate sponsorship today, but I will go out on a limb and say I like it and uh this is an ad campaign that they came out with i don't know when it was the 1930s or something um so this image that we have of santa is is pretty new but but there is an original historical person who really lived uh who came to be known as santa claus and his name was do you know St. Nick, right? St. Nicholas. Nicholas was a man who lived in what is now modern-day Turkey, and he was a beloved person in his community because he would go around and give gifts to the children in his community, and it became part of the tradition of that community and then many, many other communities because he gave gifts to children, and then other people did too. Now, here's the thing. Nicholas became a saint because of his compassion and his generosity, but not because he gave dozens of gifts to the kids who already had everything, right? He gave to children who were in need, and he gave to families who were struggling to make ends meet. That's why the church has called him saint. That's why his, his notoriety, his fame grew Throughout that region is because of his generosity and blessing people who didn't have the kind of things that they needed. Friends, that is what Christmas giving is all about, is giving to those who are in need. That's exactly what God has done with us through the grace of Jesus Christ. Because when we were lost in sin, when we were separated from God by our disobedience, we needed a savior. And God the Father sent Jesus Christ the Son to make a way for us. Now that is exactly what the world needs from us. The world does not need more stuff. The world needs more Jesus. Look with me at John one verse one in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word. So when John says word, he means the Son, the Son of God. And this is the idea that Jesus Christ, yes, born on Christmas, but in existence from all eternity as the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He was in the beginning with God the Father, and he was God himself. And it was through him that all things that were created came into being, the Word of God, right? So that when God spoke and said, let there be light, there was what? life. There was light. God spoke and it came into being. In him was life and the life was the light of all people. And now we come to the essence of Christmas. Look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Friends, this is what Christmas is all about, that that word, the Son of God, who was in the beginning and existed for all time, he has broken into our lives, into time and space in a particular place called Bethlehem to be born a human being, to come alongside of us, to be with us. At Christmas, God has moved into the neighborhood, and he's with us. And now we have received this greatest gift of all time. And now what the world needs from us is what only we can give. Do you see this? The world doesn't need more stuff. The world doesn't need more presents. What they need is more Jesus. And we, the church of Jesus, are uniquely positioned to give it to them.